This is the story of David Yankee and the mysterious Purimgrugger. David and Yankee were two brothers who lived in a nice Jewish neighborhood. They had lots of friends and they did lots of mitzvahs. One day they were playing outside with their friends and they noticed a giant moving truck was turning onto their street. And then another moving truck. And then another. And then another. And then another. And then one more moving truck. And after that, there were 17 more moving trucks. They said, whoa, what's going on? The kids all followed the cavalcade of moving trucks down the hill to the bottom of the street. There was a giant gate that all the trucks were driving into. David asked Yankee, what's inside that gate? Yankee said, that's the old McAllister mansion. It's been empty for years because nobody can afford to live there. It's huge. I heard they have an indoor swimming pool, an outdoor swimming pool, and a hybrid half-indoor, half-outdoor swimming pool. And that's only for the guest house. Just then, a giant Hummer stretch limo pulled up in front of the gate. The driver's door window rolled down. Inside was an old man wearing a very, very nice suit. He said, Pardon me, neighborhood youths. Would you mind scampering out of the way, please? We've got another 78 moving trucks coming your way. David said, Are you the new owner of this house? He said, No, not me. Master Derek and his family. The dark-tinted window way in the back of the limo rolled down. And out popped a young kid like them. He said, hey guys, my name's Derek. Please pardon Gerard, my butler. I'm sure it's fine for you to stay here and continue your little street games. We'll just park the moving trucks on the polo field. The horses aren't here yet anyway. Yankee said, you have horses? Derek laughed. Well, without horses, I would have a whole lot of monogrammed Manawood mallets for no reason. <laughs> All the neighborhood kids said, What? Derek said, You guys have never played polo? They all shook their heads. Derek stared at them. You play snow polo, though, right? Yankee said, Uh, one time I made a snow angel. Is that snow polo? Derek said, Oh my. Is that the moving team paragliding into the estate? Oh, right on time. Alright, I'll see you guys later. Maybe one of these days I'll invite you over for a rousing game of polo. Bring your own horses. <laughs> Just kidding. The limo cruised into the gate and it shut in all the kids' faces. They went back to their game. The next few weeks there was lots of construction, cars, vans, buses, even some helicopters going in and out of the estate at all times. And then came the month of Adar. It was almost time for Yankee and David's favorite holiday, Purim. All the neighborhood kids were super excited. They were trying to decide what they were going to dress up as. One kid said, I think we should dress up as a crew of clowns. And we can go around making people smile. Another kid said, I think we should be an elite group of ninjas. We could have ninja stars and nunchucks, and we can throw them at poor people. Yankee said, no, guys, the mitzvah is to give poor people money, not nunchucks and ninja stars. The kid said, 
No, but they can use them to defend themselves. Yankee said, no, that is not the mitzvah. You need to give two poor people a good chunk of money, ideally enough for them to buy a meal with. That's the mitzvah of Ma'anot the Evyonim on Purim. The kid said, oh, right, sorry. Yankee said, I know, guys, we can be a royal castle. I'll be the jester, and David can be a knight. You all can be cool castle-themed characters. They all said, yeah, that's a good idea. One kid said, I'm going to be the prince. One kid said, I'm going to be the royal wizard. One kid said, I'm going to be the executioner. So it was settled. The neighborhood was going to dress up as a royal castle. Yankee said, guys, should we invite Derek to dress up with us? They said, what, Derek? He's probably too busy playing Marco Polo with his horses. Another kid said, but wait a minute. He probably gives out really good Mishloach Mano. The kid said, oh, yeah, right. Hmm. David and Yankee walked over to the gate. They pressed the solid gold intercom button. Gerard answered, Hello, who's there? They said, uh, it's Yankee and David. We just wanted to see if uh, Derek wanted to play with us. He said, I think not. Master Derek is having a private violin lesson with the conductor from the London Philharmonic Orchestra. They said, oh, okay, um, is he going to be done soon? Gerard said, I suppose so. I'll send a car to the gate. By the time it arrives, he should be done with his lesson. David and Yankee waited at the gate for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Finally, a fancy car pulled up to the other side of the gate, and the gate opened. There was no one inside the car. Yankee said, whoa, this must be one of those driverless cars. Cool. A voice said, Stop into the car. David said, what is this? The car door opened. They said, wish us luck, guys. And they got into the car. A voice said, welcome, Yankee and David. I'm just going to do a quick security, security check. Would, Would you, you like, like a lollipop? lollipop? They said, a lollipop? Uh, yeah, sure. Is it kosher? The voice said, these lollipops were produced under the supervision of the Badass Ada Haredi in Yerushalayim. They said, cool, awesome. And a couple lollipops ejected from the seat in front of them. Some scanners started scanning them. The voice said, security check passed. Thank you. You have a lot of excess dirt behind your ears. You should clean yourself better when you're in the bathtub. Yankee said, Thanks, car. And they sped away toward the mansion. The car dropped Yankee and David off before a massive expanse of property. Derek came out of the front door. He said, hey guys, good to see you. I was wondering why you guys didn't try to come over and play with me. I would have tried to come and play with you guys on the street, but as you can see, it's pretty awesome here. And, well, I have everything in the world that anybody could possibly want, so there's not much reason to leave. David said, wow, this is a nice house. Where are your parents? Derek said, I think they're currently visiting the International Space Station. Maybe that was last week. They're always going somewhere. 
But there's laws that I have to be in school, so most of the time I just stay home with Gerard. Yankee said, Where do you go to school? Derek said, I go to a VIP private school. They said, Oh. Well, we were just wondering if you wanted to dress up with us for Purim. We're all going to be a royal castle. Derek said, Sorry, but the teacher at school said we shouldn't dress up in costumes. Everyone at my school is going to be the boss of a big company one day. And we don't want people to look down on us for wearing silly costumes. Yankee said, What? My rabbi said it's really kadosh to dress up in costumes on Purim. In the Purim story, Queen Esther had to hide her identity from Ahasuerus. If Ahasuerus knew that Esther was Jewish, he might never have married her. And then the Jewish people could have been doomed to Haman's evil plot. Also, the name of Hashem doesn't appear anywhere in the entire Megillah. But he was there guiding everything. We dress up in costumes on Purim to show that sometimes it's better to hide yourself if it's for the greater good. Derek said, well, sorry, in my school there are no rabbis. We just have world-class business leaders who teach us how to be Fortune 500 company managers. It's all about the numbers, baby. David said, the numbers of what? Just then Gerard came to the door. He said, hello, young man. It's time for Master Derek's dinner. We're having white pearl albino caviar souffle. Would you like to join us? Yankee said, is that kosher? Gerard said, I'm not sure, but it certainly is delicious. The boy said, sorry, we'll pass. Do you guys want to come to the Purim party on the street next week? Derek said, that's okay, guys. We have a private Megillah reading with a world-renowned opera singer. And something tells me the smorgasbord in our Purim soda is going to be slightly more tasty than your street cuisine. But you guys have a great time. Yankee said, but how are you going to do the mitzvot of Purim if you don't leave your house? Derek said, don't worry about that. I've arranged a very generous donation of $18 each to two very needy families. And for the mitzvah of Mishloach Manon, I'll just give a couple candy bars to Gerard. Purim isn't really a big deal in our house. I'd rather just be playing video games on my 600-inch underwater TV screen. Yankee said, Okay, well, have a fun Purim. Let's get out of here, David. Yankee and David walked all the way back to the gate. All their neighborhood friends were waiting for them. They said, what was it like in there, guys? They said, it was depressing. They said, is Derek going to dress up with us? Yankee said, I don't think he's going to dress up at all. They said, what? The gate shut behind them, and everyone walked home to get ready for Purim. The next day at school, everybody showed up in their Purim costumes. They all looked like they were straight out of medieval times. Yankee said, guys, we look really good. I cannot wait for the Megillah reading tonight. The kid who dressed up as the executioner said, check it out, guys. I got this awesome plastic scythe that plays sounds. So when they say Haman's name, I can make this sound. Everyone said, whoa, cool. David said, Yankee, I just remembered last year we broke our Purim groggers. We were turning them so hard when they said Amon's name that they snapped off. 
We need to get some today before the Megillah reading. Yankee said, you're right, devil, we did break them. But I don't want one of those cheap plastic Purim gruggers. I want a really cool one that makes an awesome noise like that scythe. David said, yeah. But where are we going to get one on such short notice? And all I have is $2.74. Yankee said, well, I have $5.22. Maybe if we go to Mr. Goldstein's thrift shop, they'll have some cool old one we can buy for cheap. So after school, David and Yankee headed over to Mr. Goldstein's thrift shop. Mr. Goldstein collected really old stuff from all over the world, and then he sold it to people for really cheap prices. They walked into the shop. Mr. Goldstein said, Hey, boys! Yankee, are you a clown? Yankee said, No, Mr. Goldstein, I'm a jester. He said, David, are you a robot? He said, No, Mr. Goldstein, all this metal gear is my armor. I'm a knight. All the kids in the neighborhood are a royal castle this year. Mr. Goldstein said, Oh, that might explain why a little boy came in the other day asking if I had any clothes fit for a king. I think he said his name was Derek. Yankee said, Derek? Oh, maybe he had a change of mind and he decided to dress up with us. Anyway, do you have any Purim groggers that are like old or antique that make really cool sounds? Mr. Goldstein said, no. But I do have the sharpest knife ever created. This knife is so sharp that it can't even be held in a material container. It requires an arrangement of fans to keep it suspended in midair because it would slice right through any other substance. David and Yankee said, wow, cool. Uh, we don't need a knife that's super sharp. We just need a porum gogger. Like maybe one of those rainmakers made from a cactus shell. Something really cool like that. Mr. Goldstein said, sorry kids, I don't have anything like that right now, but I'll let you know if I get something in in the next few hours. He said, ah. Okay, see you later, Mr. Goldstein. And Yankee and David went home. When they got home, they saw a beautifully wrapped package on their doorstep. Yankee said, What is that? Is it a Mishloach Manot? The mitzvah to give Mishloach Manot isn't until the day of Purim, though, so I don't know why somebody would leave something here tonight. David untied the beautiful golden string that was tying the package together and opened it. Inside was a king-size Schmindley's chocolate bar, a bag of cheesy popcorn, a pack of jumbo marshmallows, and an interesting object that looked like it was made out of straw. It looked really old. It had a painted blue handle with cool designs on it, and golden straw or reeds or something coming out from the sides. David picked it up and looked at it. He turned it around. When he turned it, it made a really soft, really pleasant rustling sound. David said, ah, what a nice sound. This must be a Purim Gogger. Why else would it be in this Mishloach Manot? Yankee said, awesome. I feel ready to go hear the Megillah now. They put the treats away for later and hurried off to the synagogue. It was nighttime, and that meant Purim had started. Everybody was going to hear the Megillah. They all showed up wearing their costumes, and all the kids looked super awesome in their royal castle gear. The men had just finished davening Mariv, the nighttime prayer. 
Rabbi Smilowitz took out his kosher Megillah scroll. He said the brachas, and he started reading. Everybody was listening attentively. They knew how important it was to hear every single word of the Megillah, because if they didn't hear every word, they didn't fulfill the mitzvah. But there was one guy without a costume right behind David and Yankee who was talking on his phone. He said, Marty, did you see that game last night? Marty, you gotta talk louder. I can't hear you. They're reading the Megillah or something. What? Listen to it? Marty, I am listening to it. That's the reason I can barely hear you. David and Yankee looked back at the guy. He just smiled at them. Clearly, he didn't know the laws about listening to every word of the Megillah. But they didn't want to say anything because then they would interrupt their own listening to the Megillah. They tried to focus on the words from Rabbi Smilowitz. Finally, it came to the time that David and Yankee were waiting for. They were about to get to the first mention of the wicked Haman in the Megillah, where everybody makes as much noise as they can to blot out his name. Haman came from Amalek, the nation that always tried to hurt the Jewish people, and it's a mitzvah from the Torah to destroy them and blot out their memory from all creation. David and Yankee took out the Purim Gogger from their mysterious Mishloach Manot. They held onto it together, and they started shaking it as soon as he finished saying Haman. The noise from the crowd was deafening, but somehow the noise from David and Yankee's Purim Gogger rose above all the other sounds. As soon as the noise settled, the guy behind them said, Marty, I gotta go. And he started listening to the Megillah. David and Yankee thought to themselves, Baruch Hashem. At the next Amon, they shook the Purim Gogger again. They noticed everybody around them started swaying back and forth as if they were in a trance. The guy behind them put his phone in his pocket and took out a copy of the Megillah and started reading along. At the end of the reading, everybody was on such a spiritual high that they didn't want it to end. They said, Rabbi Smilowitz, read it again! He said, I'm going to, tomorrow, when it's a mitzvah to listen to it a second time. The guy who was sitting behind Yankee and David came up to them. He said, guys, where did you get that grogger from? Every time the little reeds bristled together, I could just feel my soul elevating up to Hashem. I felt like he was showing me his greatness and how great his Torah is. It was so amazing. They said, um, somebody left it in a Mishloach Manot on our doorstep. We don't even know where it came from. Just then, Mr. Goldstein from the thrift shop passed by them on his way out of the synagogue. He said, hey, Yankee and David, I see you got yourself a gogger. Very nice. They said, yeah, we're not sure where it came from, but it looks really old. He said, let me take a look. He said, I've seen reeds like this before. Where was it? Many, many years ago, somebody brought me a basket with the same exact reeds. They said they found it in Egypt near the Nile River, buried way deep in some ruins. But it was missing its base. It looked like somebody tore it out, so I didn't want to buy it because I didn't think I could sell it. The basket was covered with uh, clay and pitch or something. David and Yankee looked at each other. They said, no way. Yankee said, Mr. Goldstein, do you think it's possible that this could be from Moshe's Teva? The Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu's mother, Yokeved, put him in a little basket made of reeds covered with clay and pitch to save him from Pharaoh's evil decree to kill the baby boys. And if somebody found it right near the Nile, that's where she put him. 
Mr. Goldstein said, I never thought of that. Wow, I could have made a fortune on that basket. He said, hey, Rabbi Smilowitz, are there any sources that say what happened to the basket that Moshe Rabbeinu was put in when he was a baby? Rabbi Smilowitz said, I don't think I've ever seen any Torah sources mention that, to be honest. There is a story about the Teva that says that when Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zion Adar, the seventh day of Adar, his mother Yocheved could only hold on to him for three months before she was afraid the Egyptians would come for him. So the day she put him in the basket, three months later, was the sixth day of Sivan, Shavuos, the day the Torah was given. And it was that day that Pharaoh's daughter Bacha went out to the river and saw Moshe's Teva. And the ancient story goes that when Bacha opened the Teva that Moshe was in, she had a revelation of the Shekhinah, God's presence, similar to what the Jews experienced on Har Sinai when they got the Torah, on that very same day, even though the Torah hadn't been given yet. It was right when she opened the Ark that Bacha had that revelation and saw Hashem's presence, and it made her want to turn away from the idolatry of Egypt to become a righteous Jew and serve Hashem. And that's just what she did. But after that, I have no idea what happened to the basket, sorry. Yankee David and Mr. Goldstein just stared at the grogger in Yankee's hand. Mr. Goldstein said, Guys, I would be happy to trade you the sharpest knife in the world for that grogger. Yankee said, That's okay, Mr. Goldstein. I'm just wondering how we got this. I mean, if this is from Moshe's Teva, and it has the power to give people revelations of the Shekinah, why would somebody want us to have it? We need to figure out who gave this to us. David said, maybe it was Derek. Rich people sometimes have crazy stuff just lying around the house. Maybe he found this antique and wanted to give us some Shloach Mano and just threw it in there. I mean, it is private business school. They might not teach him that Mishloach Manod are only supposed to be given during the day, so that's why he gave it to us tonight. Yankee said, that would make sense. Why don't we ask him tomorrow morning, and at the same time, we'll give him a really great Mishloach Mano. David said, all right, and they headed home. On the way home, they were playing with the Grogger and shaking it around, trying to figure out where exactly it could have come from. They passed an apartment building. There were two elderly women arguing. One said, I left cat food for Tommy my cat at the front door to the building and now it's gone. And I noticed that your cat, Mr. Ferguson, is looking very plump and happy. The other woman said, Are you accusing me of stealing your cat food? And the woman said, Well, if the kitty shoe fits, then wear it. Yankee started shaking the grogger near their building. They heard the sound, and they looked up. The woman who started the argument said, This is so silly. Let's just go inside and prepare for our Purim Suda tomorrow. We're so blessed to have an abundance of so much from Hashem. I'm sorry I accused you. I should have judged you favorably. And they went inside in peace. David and Yankee looked at each other. They said, Whoa, this Purim Grogger is amazing. As they passed through town, they passed a non-kosher deli. There was one of the guys from the yeshiva staring at the window at the most delicious-looking glazed ham. He was going, Ugh, why does it have to look so good? David shaked the grogger right near his face. He said, what am I doing? Is five minutes of pleasure worth losing my connection with Hashem? No way, I'm going back to yeshiva. David and Yankee finally got home. 
They put the Purim Grager in the family safe. And they spent the rest of the night preparing Mishloach Manot for all their friends. David and Yankee woke up the next morning and ran over to the safe. The Grugger was still there. They said, it wasn't a dream. They packed up all the gifts for their friends and went off to hear the Megillah. They were looking forward to see if the mysterious Purim Grugger would have the same effect as it did the night before. As they left their house, they heard a beep, 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 coming from the bottom of the street. Somebody sounded like they were honking at Derek's family's gate. They walked over and they saw a man in a car dressed in a tuxedo trying to get in through the gate. He was knocking on the gate and waving at the cameras, but nobody was responding. They said, uh, excuse me, can we help you? He said, my name is Arthur Rothman. I'm a world-famous opera singer and here to perform a stunning rendition of Megillas Esther. I was promised a small fortune to come here to this small home. But now that I've arrived, nobody's here. And I have a show in Italy later today. I'm going to have to leave. And he got in his car and drove away. David turned to Yankee. He said, I wonder what happened to Derek. I hope he's okay. Just then they heard some static on the intercom system. A voice said, Hello, hello. How does this thing work? Oh my gosh, I don't believe I have to do this myself. Sir Arthur, are you there? Yankee said, Derek? Derek said, Yankee, is that you? He said, yeah, it's me. David's here too. That opera singer had to leave. Derek said, uh-oh, I guess that means I'm not going to hear the Megillah now. David said, Derek, we're going to hear the Megillah right now. You can come hear it at shul. Derek said, at a commonplace shul? What opera house does the performer of the Megillah at the shul perform in? It had better be internationally acclaimed. David said, um, it's just Rabbi Smilowitz. He doesn't perform in an opera, as far as I know. But he does a good job. We have a Mishloach Manu to give you also. We wanted to thank you for giving us such a nice one. Do you know what you put in there, by the way? Derek said, what are you talking about, guys? I didn't give you a Mishloach Manot. He said, you didn't? Derek said, no. I haven't left my house since I went clothes shopping a few weeks ago. I couldn't even find any worthy clothes in this whole town. He said, guys, even if I wanted to go hear the Megillah with you, I can't. Gerard got a shipment of special champagne from France this morning, and he decided to start the Purim Pseudo early. He fell asleep in a lawn chair, and now I don't know how to use any of this equipment. I can't even figure out how to open the front door. Yankee and David looked at each other. They said, oh no, we need to help him hear the Megillah. Derek said, it's fine, guys. I really don't care that much. Yankee said, well, Derek, it's a mitzvah. You should care. Derek said, why would I care about a mitzvah when I have everything in the entire world that somebody could possibly enjoy? David said, Derek, your life sounds exactly like Akosh Verish's. The opening part of Megillah where it talks about the party that he had. His party had everything in the entire world that somebody could possibly enjoy. But Mordecai, the leader of the Jews, told them not to go. You know why? Because if you spend your whole life enjoying this world, you might forget about Hashem. And Olam Abba, which is the true world. This world is only temporary, Derek. Your giant house, your video games... Everything in your house. You can't take any of that with you to Alam Abba. You can only take your Torah and your mitzvot and your good deeds. Derek said, yeah, yeah, I know, guys. 
David Santiaki, he's not even listening. Yankee said, I know what would help. And he took out the Purim Glugger. And he gave it a shake at the intercom. Derek said, what? Are you guys doing? Are you raking leaves by my intercom? Yankee said, it didn't work. It must be like hearing the Megillah. It's only kosher if you hear it in person. It doesn't work over the phone. David said, we need to get in there, Yankee. We need to help this kid. Yankee said, wait a minute. Mr. Goldstein said he had the sharpest knife in the world. What if we could use that to cut open the gate and get inside? David said, Yankee, that sounds way too dangerous. I have a better idea. David saw the driver of this car, which gave them a ride the other day, parked near the gate. He said, hey, car. Its headlights turned on. It said, Hello, Robert and Yankee. Yankee, Yankee have you been cleaning behind your ears like I advised you to? Yankee said, No, I haven't. David said, Car, come to the gate. We need you to take something to Derek. The car said, I'm not allowed to take commands from anybody who I'm not programmed to. Yankee took out the Borum Gogger and shook it at the car. The car said, I only take commands from Hakadosh Barakel. I'm coming to the gate. It revved its engine and pulled up to the gate. Yankee took the Purim Gogger in his hand and threw it into the sunroof of the car, landed perfectly on the passenger seat. They said, Derek, shake this Purim Gogger like you've never shaken anything in your entire life. The car sped off to the mansion. Yankee and David sat by the gate. After ten minutes, they heard a noise coming from afar. It sounded like a horse galloping. They looked up. It was Derek on one of his polo horses. He was holding the Purim Gogger, and he was wearing a Purim costume, a royal castle's servant. Gerard was strapped to the back of the horse, passed out. Derek said, Guys, help me out of here. He got up to the gate. He said, This is what I've been training for my entire life. Go, horsey, go. The horse backed up and ran as fast as it could, and it jumped over the gate. Derek and Gerard landed next to Yankee and David. Derek said, thanks, guys. Little birdie told me that I've been wasting my time. He tossed them the Purim Gogger. said, let's go hear the Megillah. They got on the back of Derek's horse and galloped off to the shul. They got there just as they were starting, and Gerard finally woke up. Just in time. It was one of the most intense and awe-inspiring Megillah readings that's ever taken place. Everybody was crying tears of joy by the end. Especially Derek and Gerard. After the Megillah reading, they went off to the Purim Suda in the street. Everyone gave all they could afford to all the needy families in town. And they gave all their Mishloic monots to all their friends. They were all having a great time. But Yankee and David were still wondering who had given them that mysterious Mishloak Mano. Just then, all the people dressed in royal castle costumes made way for a carriage that was led by majestic horses. Derek said, whoa, I would love to play polo with those horses. Everyone asked each other, who is that? 
Somebody said, that must be the king. The carriage rolled up to David and Yankee. A gloved hand reached out and took the Purim Gogger from them. A booming voice said, Thanks, David. Thanks, Yankee. Hope you enjoyed the cheesy popcorn. And the horses leading the carriage galloped off. Yankee and David said, Who was that? What happened to our Grogger? Derek said, Guys, sometimes I think it's better if some things stay hidden. You know, for the greater good. They all nodded. The carriage disappeared into the sunset. That epic, miraculous pouring party lasted long, long into the night.